Can we can we be funny for once in our goddamn lives, <laughs> Justin? That's just what I want. Uh-huh. So I am back. You promised to be funny this time. Well, now's your chance. Do you want to hit us with a drop? Well, you don't have any headphones on, so you're not going to be able to hear it. Oh. Well, do you want to just push a button? I can. It'll be a surprise. Ah. There you go. <laughs> Did I talk over it? Maybe. Is it still going? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, why don't we just jump right into it? Okay. Um, you know, we could talk about how, since we last recorded, I almost died. Uh-huh. I uh, bought a house that almost drove me insane. Uh-huh. Um, a lot has happened. Who cares? Because <laughs> severance. Because, right, exactly. We have a television started. show to talk about. All right? <laughs> Who cares about all that other stuff? Yeah. I'm sure that will come come out slowly. Maybe severance will overlap a little bit. And sure. uh, I'll be able to, to bring into my health issues and uh, other personal anecdotes. Sure. So severance is the... Apple TV show, and when you told me about it, we were kind of going through the list because Apple is a streaming platform, relatively new, right? Mm-hmm. And they have had no good shows up until this point. I think ze- like zero for real, right. zero. But I, I mean, I think even in pop, like popular culture, they've got Ted Lasso, right? Because people love Ted Lasso, and whether it's good or not, right? Um, but outside of that, it's like. They've got nothing. They've got like the one show about like blind indigenous people that Jason Momoa was in, right? C. I think <laughs> yeah. it's called C. Um, yeah. They they do have, I think, for all mankind is them, the space show. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually kind of like that. I've I've watched all of it, but it, is it real? No. Like it's a f- made up story. Because For All Mankind is the name of the documentary. Right. It's an alternate history where Mm. what if Russia landed first? Okay. And, you know, from there, what what I like about it is I like how in the first season you can see they blew their entire budget in the Mm. first two episodes (laughs) because they, like, have to do, like, the moonlight. It looks amazing. Yeah. And then literally the last three quarters is, like, just on earth, an on earth drama. Right. You it's just I mean? two just, people in a room. Yeah, it's just like people <laughs> having affairs. It turns like into Desperate Housewives a little bit. Yeah. And um, and uh, you know, you, you realize you're like, oh yeah, that was just unsustainable uh-huh. for them to be like, we're doing space. But the second season, um, got more action heavy. Mm-hmm. They got their budget back, or they got yeah. more money, and um. And I like where it ended. And apparently they're making a third season. So Okay. But again, like you said, that's not in the zeitgeist. Like, right. I haven't heard anybody mm-hmm. talk about that show. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I interrupted your thought. What else were you saying? No, I think that's it. Uh, and then uh, we were talking about severance, or you brought it up as something that we could talk about. Um, But is severance getting like a lot of coverage or anything because the only experience i have is i put a link to it in like our work slack mm-hmm. and i was like hey this show's good check it out and it's got 
zero engagement. Zero engagement. <laughs> Nobody is interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, it feels like one of those things, right? Like something else that happened since we've been gone is Squid Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like... I got to Squid Game relatively late because it did. You didn't get to it late. You got to it when it started. You just took forever to watch it. Did Squid Game, because Netflix just drops it all at once, right? Yes. All of Squid Game was available. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because I feel like I had heard rumblings about it, and then all of a sudden it just hit. Like, I wasn't interested when I first heard somebody say squid game just mm. the name i was like i'll look at maybe later and literally like a week and a half two weeks later everybody jumped on it mm-hmm. so i it's it's hard to gauge because severance is going week by week what that momentum will look like but i feel like it could still hit you know it just sure. came out this last weekend mm. i feel like in two weeks if the next episodes are good I think it could still have that cultural moment where everybody's like, oh, you know, Blizzard, that that link, that show you sent, it really is good, like, mm-hmm. in, in two weeks. Yeah, you know what? I don't know if that... Ace, get down. Ace, get down. Ace! I don't know if... There's a part of me that feels like it has to all come out at once to have the impact yeah because we have a friend who refuses to watch shows until they're right the season is but also i mean any example you think of that is like a netflix example because there's squid game the other big one was um tiger king right and that all the netflix shows drop all at once and that makes it to where i feel like people are like binging it yeah. And so it makes it like maybe a bigger impact, but for a shorter amount of time. You know what I mean? Because it's like you have the Squid Game conversation and then it's done. You, nobody's talking about it anymore, right? After a week or two weeks. Yeah. Talk about nobody's talking about it. I keep seeing um, advertisements for a fictionalized TV show of The Tiger King. Starring yeah. Kate McKinnon. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, think she- I think they play that during the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm like Kate McKinnon. What happened? Like I remember, she was everywhere. Well, she's the SNL lady, right? Yeah, and I just I to me I wonder. Again, I feel like if you're, like that is either one of two things, right? That's either a satirical, like Will Ferrell esque, like let's make this dumb, you know, fake show on this real thing, mm-hmm. and it will just make it goofy, or this is like, are some people involved in this? Like, this is my breakout. Yeah, I, that's mom. The impression. I can't believe I landed. That's the I'm, impression I get. Yeah, like uh, how? Like how can you fictionalize that story and be like, we got something here, we got something new? Right. Well, what's so crazy is that has like gone into hyperdrive, where it's like, it hasn't. When did Tiger? I mean, Tiger King came out during the pandemic, so, right? Yeah. So it's been a couple years. But it's like uh, two years have gone by and they're already doing like, oh, now here's the fictional retelling of the Tiger King story. It's like, well, we just watched the documentary last week. I don't know if we really need this. Yeah, and, and they just came out with the second season, right? The yeah. The Tiger King, which nobody cared about. I didn't right. watch yeah. a second. Well, I think the thing about that too is like the Tiger King 
it was like it's an unknown quantity. You start watching it. You can watch it all at once because it's Netflix, or you watch it all throughout the course of a week, maybe. And then, for at least me, by the end of it, you were like, "This is kind of gross." Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to garbage. Yeah, TV. I don't. This is yeah. It's like these are bad people, and the whole thing is exploitative. The people are exploitative. The documentary is exploitative, and it's like you get sucked into it. Because it's like good trashy stuff, but then when you come out the other end, you're kind of like feel like you're covered in this slime or something. It's like I don't wanna I don't wanna live in that world ever again. Right. And I feel embarrassed that I watched it as quickly as I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder about people get tied to stuff like that. You make the first season, you're like, Yeah, this is crazy, and the next thing you know, it's a hit and you're tied to Tiger King now yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um so anyway, severance. Right. So yeah, not all at once, coming out every Friday. Right. So the first two episodes are out and then weekly from there. And the is the whole thing directed by Ben Stiller? I believe the so. The first two episodes were. And then Julia was telling me that the people who are writing it are new. I think we mm-hmm. may have talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit, but the, the people who wrote it are unknown as well. Right. This is their first. Like if you go IMDb, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's their first credited you know writing okay so i mean it, you know we can kind of i guess start here with the you and i i think both hold to a theory that especially when it comes to writing projects mm-hmm. the more time spent usually is an easy it's an easy equation that time plus decent writing because yeah. what's what's bizarre is that people like Nick Pizzolatto mm-hmm. pumped out True Detective season 1 which looking back I can vaguely remember the uh plagiarism claims against him mm-hmm. yeah which now not even fully remembering those I'm like oh he totally plagiarized <laughs> like that's <laughs> right. not even a question that's not even yeah. a doubt in my mind <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you have a, a decent writer and time, you're always going to get a, a more interesting product than something that is cranked out on any timeline based on success, yeah. you know? And so, you know, you pretty much see a decline when somebody makes season one of something that has 10 years of them shopping around. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at the guy who made Squid Game, you know, the story of him is like shopping that thing around for a decade, I think, before yeah. finally getting some traction. And then you see what he does. He clearly is talented. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's also not a guy who just wrote a good script. It's a guy who knows how to film and make good TV. Ryan Johnson with Brick, right? Same yeah. thing where he's, like, just writing this thing, working it, working it. And he comes out with a really solid script. Again, I think, I don't know. I'd need to think about it a little more. I think Brick still is, like, my favorite Oh really? Thing from I there. haven't seen it in a long time, so yeah, maybe I, I can't imagine. It holds up. Just given the premise alone, I can't imagine that I would like it going back to it. But yeah, but I mean, like to me, you, you have time to chase little trails that you might not in a normal, um, you know, kind of writing cycle, right? Like he kind of created his own language. Yeah. Uh, of those kids, which again, looking back at, it, if you're like, oh, this is goofy as hell. Still, to kind yeah. of like give that effort to be like, I'm going to create my own slang. It it at least builds a more interesting world, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, 
yeah, now I'm thinking about some of the slang. I'm like, yeah, maybe that'd be. <laughs> yeah, but the idea, though, I think is that with the whoever these people are that did severance, or like with Nick Pizzolatto, more pointedly, maybe, you have seven years to write this thing. It finally gets picked up. It blows up, or like with Squid Game, and then you know you make Squid Game, you write it, it gets made. It's a week after it's out, it becomes this huge, massive hit, and then Netflix says, "You've got eleven months to make season two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got to write it. You've got to get the actors. Right. You got to do everything. There's you know what I mean? So seven it's like figures coming your way. This process yeah. that took just took you a decade now has to be compressed to a month." Two months, you know what I mean? And then you start doing, you know, the rest of the stuff. Right. And and you have this kind of, again, I, it, it feels like a new cycle where previously, or you have people who, like, get frustrated that somebody takes, even George R. R. Martin or mm. whoever, like, I, I don't know if he's dragging his feet, but also it's not, it's probably not easy to write a novel yeah. like he's writing. Like, if it takes him... 20 years, then it's like, yeah. So he still hasn't done the a follow-up Winter. book? Win- the win- No. <laughs> Doesn't he still have, like, two left? Apparently. And, I mean, like, again. Is he still working on he's it? He's not the best example, but I do think, like, how would you feel if a TV show came out and presented an ending that everyone just, like, shit upon? Yeah. It was like, that was awful. Yeah. To me, that would deflate some of my sales where it's like, you know For what? Sure. Why am I going to end this stupid thing? <laughs> I could just leave it open. Just let everybody right. deal with it right now. It, it's let better. all these ingrates just sulk. <laughs> exactly. That's better than having somebody be like, you completed this. Now I can objectively say you're an idiot right. or whatever. Yeah. You know, Right now, he at least has people being like, please, please, George, please. <laughs> I true. have to know. Um, what... Uh, what was the other example of that? I can't remember what it was now. Um, oh man, what was the show? Oh, Mine Hunter. Oh, they're kind of doing the opposite of that. Yeah, where they're taking a long time. Like I'm pretty sure there's going to be a third season. Are they? I thought they were done. I don't think they're done. I, they I mean, when, no, no, no. Because when the second season ended, there was a lot of talk. And I thought, well, at least I thought they were going to do a third season. Mm. And I thought at some point it was confirmed. I hope so. Where it's like, yeah, we're doing a third season. Right? But they are, t- I mean, but even between the first and second seasons, they took a long time. Yeah. So that's kind of, I guess, the other end of the spectrum, which if it makes a better show, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. take your time. I, I do like, though, the when someone's burnt out, when a creator's clearly burnt out, doesn't matter how much time you give them. And that's like the last season of Game of Thrones, which I think was hit by like <laughs> sure. delays and all yeah. this other stuff. And you're like, man, they had so much time to just mm-hmm. kind of like work it out. And they're just like, you know what? Just throw on a dragon, have the dragon burn this city, and let's call it a day. Yeah. Um. So Severance. Yeah. The... Again, I, I wanted to look into it, but honestly, there's not a lot about the, the the writer. I found an article from Ben Stiller, an interview with him, and then I found, like, one write-up in, like, Variety. But, you know, so, again, I don't know if they're, like, doing early episodes for people, um, like, reviewers, but I haven't seen a lot of talk other than on 
social media where a lot of people are liking the show. Mm-hmm. It, it feels kind of like Righteous Gemstones, mm-hmm. where like certain people are in and and get it, and the, but broadly people aren't really talking about it. Yeah. So overall, you watched the first two episodes. Yeah, going into it, I guess I wasn't expecting anything. You brought it up. I think I may have watched a trailer, and then, but you also brought it up as in, like, I'm not expecting anything out of the show. So I wasn't expecting anything out of the show. Yeah, we can kind of, I kind of want to circle around to that because, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about watching shows, especially about corporate culture, yeah. work culture there, then put out by Apple mm-hmm. um, and directed by like Ben Stiller, who yeah, last, last thing I remember hearing from him. <laughs> yeah. He was on Twitter being like, you know, Hollywood has no nepotism. Right. Like and standing up for the fact that Spielberg's daughter is getting into directing. And like yeah. her first movie had the kid of another famous Hollywood person who wrote the script or whatever. And she was just in something else we watched. Julia and I watched. Oh. I can't remember what it is now though. Yeah. And what I'm did like we just watched. She was in something. Oh. And I'm like, you you also are the product of nepotism. Like yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. And now he's doing something with like Rachel Maddow. He's like helping Rachel Maddow create Spielberg is? No, no, no. Ben Stiller. Oh, Ben Stiller. So, you know, to me it just strikes me as like a centrist liberal, you know. Yeah. And uh and so it, it is kind of hard you know, for me, because I definitely am somebody who growing up would like look for somebody to have the answers. And I was like, I was ready to follow somebody be like, Hey, tell me what, tell me what's going on around here. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll listen to you cause you're smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now that I've gotten older, I realized that that's, that's no way to live your life. I'm almost too skeptical. And I'm like, oh, what can the centrist, you know, (laughs) nepotism denying, you know, silver spoon in the mouth guy, what can he have to say about corporate culture that I'm not living day to day? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need somebody to tell me how work life balance is, Mm -hmm. you know, screwed up in America yeah, or, you know, in the world. But having said that again, it's a zero sum game. I feel like when you start pulling people and corporations into things Mm -hmm. because in the end it's just about like it's just about the show or about the music or about the book you know i mean it's not Mm -hmm. about like you know the the worst case scenario happened with like true detective where like nick pizzolato turned out to be a dork right i mean Mm -hmm. he's just a complete dork and he made a great show you know what i mean and so it's like I still like True Detective season one. Mm-hmm. Nick Pizzolato is still a dork, mm-hmm. you know. So then, why, why get too caught up in who made this thing? Sure. So that's kind of the approach I'm trying to have. But yeah, I'm not a fan of Ben Stiller. So that's why when I heard he made this, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. he made the Life of Walter Mitty or whatever mm-hmm. that movie. I hated that movie. <laughs> and that movie was also about like go out and live your life yeah touch grass you right. know what i mean yeah um so i was a little concerned like that but you know again it feels like 
Spike Lee in 25th Hour or whatever. Like you just sure. put a great visualist with a great storyteller and you're going to come up with just a phenomenal, mm -hmm. you know, product. Um, didn't the guy wrote 25th Hour, wasn't he one of the Game of Thrones guys? Yeah, David. But, but there's Benioff and Weiss. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he did. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, I, I didn't have high expectations either. Mm -hmm. So, we both liked it. Can, yeah. Can you tell me the moment that it kind of clicked for you, maybe, where you actually took note of, like, oh, this is this is a little more interesting? Um, I don't think there was a moment that it clicked with me so much as there was a moment where it did not click. You know what I mean? I was kind of kept waiting for it to just be like, all right, this is where I'm like getting off the highway. Like I'm done with this. And it just hasn't happened yet at least. Um, and I think given like the premise and kind of how, um, contained it is almost uh it's kind of surprising to me that it works i guess although i guess it makes sense because there's like not a whole lot of to it right there's not like a lot of elements that could like go wrong i guess uh i mean i don't know i've i think i've seen more tv well, it's than been you. so vague up until this point even the first two episodes it's still kind of like you're still kind of getting into Right, there's still like a central mystery where you just don't know what's going on. Yeah, but I feel like I've seen shows that definitely are like, you can't screw this up, and they were like, <laughs> by minute five, <laughs> sure, you're like, wow, they really blew it. Yeah, you know? yeah. For, for me, I I think visually, yeah, you know, once, like, so number one, what stood out are some of the connections that I felt to Eternal Sunshine. Like, in Eternal Sunshine, the first time we see um, Jim Carrey, he's crying in his car. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly just been broken up with or something like that. And in this, Adam Scott, the first time we see him, he's just bawling in his car. Mm -hmm. You know, the same type of thing. And that was the first thing where I was like, oh, no, is this going to be... His crying was bad. Was it not? <laughs> that was, was the first bad? thing where I was like, okay, this is bad crying. This is not good crying. Okay. But, I, you I'll, know. I'll go back. I don't know. I was too busy connecting it to Eternal Sunshine. Sure. Which, I will say, that's great crying. I'll go back and watch that scene again to see how bad the crying is. But I'll stand up for Jim Carrey crying in Eternal okay. Sunshine. And it's say been, that's a, it's that's been a, too long for me. It's a great uh, sure. breakdown cry. So... Then when he walks into the building, just that shot, the the clean, like snowy parts mm -hmm. in the you know, parking lot that's been kind of cleaned off and that kind of detail and framing was the oh, first thing yeah. that made me mm -hmm. be like, Oh, this is actually interesting. And then there's just little things, right? Like when he gets into the elevator and his memory thing kicks in and the mm -hmm. aspect ratio mm -hmm. i don't know if it's a full aspect ratio. no it's a depth of field yeah mm -hmm. depth of field kind of comes in um you know just little things like that i 
I really liked and started connecting me to it. And then I think the world building is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, like you said, um, vague enough, but there's more elements than just, here's a company that severs your your memory. Mm -hmm. There we go. We're done. You can tell that they've fleshed out a whole world here and there's more going on outside of this company you know nationally maybe globally mm-hmm. i don't know but i'm expecting that we are if you pull back back that we're we're in a ecologically impacted future sure. or something like that yeah um yeah i thought it looked really good it's like really harshly lit right um and it's never like not harshly lit. No. You know what I mean? Like I was wait I'm I was waiting for like a okay, this is like a different environment, so we're not going to light it as harshly. But no, it's just always and looks everyone like looks that. like Am Scott looks rough. Yeah. You know? Um but I also went back and started watching a little bit of the cable guy. Oh yeah. Which Ben Stiller also directed. Uh-huh. And it's got like a really uncanny like atmosphere to it Mm. that I can't quite put my finger on and that I also remember picking up on when like I was a kid and it came out Mm -hmm. right but as an adult even more so it just has this really weird atmosphere to I don't even know how to describe it but it has like almost like there's like a silence to it and it's just is is very um strange but like in a in a great way you know, I haven't, I've watched like 20 or 30 minutes of the movie, so I don't know how it holds up or whatever, but that aspect of it is really kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's something that's hard to articulate because it's a feeling, right? And again, whether, you feel like it has to be intentional because, yeah. you know, it, it's such a strong feeling of just kind of something's a little off here mm-hmm. or there's something else I'm not that that's making this different. I have the same feeling when I watch Wes Anderson where I feel like I'm peering into like a mirror universe where it's like, that's an, an identifiable world, mm-hmm. but just different enough. You know, everybody in a Wes Anderson world is just kind of torqued a little differently mm-hmm. than people that I engage with or mm-hmm. myself. And that, to me, is interesting and engaging. I, I like that kind of, um, a, again, world established by attention to detail, like you said. Like, yeah, is it the harsh lighting? Is it the writing? Like, mm-hmm. the stilted dialogue style? It definitely made me think, like, Yorgos Lanthimos, mm-hmm. which you've seen. Killing a Sacred Deer. You saw The Lobster, too, right? Mm-mm. All right, a new, a new <laughs> segment of this is going to be one recommendation for you, and uh-huh. then we'll see how long it takes you to actually like follow up on the okay. recommendation. So, if I go back in my head, I'm gonna let's go with you know let's go with the original taking a Pelham one two three. There's no way you don't love it. I tried to watch it. They took it off Criterion. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying that. 
it, there will be a way to find it. I'm going to keep recommending it to you, and we'll okay. see how long. Uh, that one is one that I don't see how you don't love, and mm-hmm. the ending is an all to- all timer. Mm-hmm. Um, Severance, mm-hmm. Yorgos Lanthimos definitely made me think of the lobster and killing of a sacred deer mm-hmm. because is that what you're kind of talking about too? Like killing of a sacred deer, that whole universe fleshed out is definitely like, yeah, d- it's different. Yeah. But you can't really articulate why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just like an uncanniness to uncanniness. it. Uncanniness. what do you think of the dialogue? Uh, Did it stand out to you at all? No, I mean, nothing stood out really? to me at all. It didn't feel it like kind of stilted? Or, not really. Like purposefully? Well, the only thing that stood out to me as, I guess, in a negative way was the dinner party. Yeah, see, not not negative. Like, to me, I think that that's a, that's a choice. That's what I mean, though. Like. Yeah. Outside of that, it was completely like felt normal. Yeah, totally normal to me. Outside of the where the one guy keeps going on and on and on at the dinner party, he specifically, which I guess if it's just him, then it has to be a choice. But he specifically struck me as like this is like I don't this guy's talking weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, everybody is is encouraging him. Like people aren't. Because you would sure. think like, when he threw out his World War One fact, mm-hmm. he's like, I actually found out that they wouldn't have called it World War One. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's not a real fact. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, but everybody's like, oh, yeah. wow. And yeah, they're either uh, indulging him or we're living in a time where people's relationship to history right is has been impacted in some way it's like a less obvious uh idiosyncrasy is that what this movie is called where everyone's super dumb idiocracy, idiocracy. yeah how dumb of you <laughs> i guess <laughs> the name of idiocracy <laughs> or you're very smart mm. um yeah so i mean like for me i guess if we just look at that dinner party that's also where we find out that what's what's adam scott's character's name yeah, I don't know. Um, Mark. Mark. That's where we find out that he is a was a history teacher. Right. But my feeling was, again, based on what that guy was saying at the dinner party and the way Mark said, I used to be a history teacher, that, again, the society doesn't have a need for history teachers. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he went and changed careers, it's that his position became obsolete. Mm-hmm. Do you have a feeling about that too? Like, again, I think I'm trying to like investigate the world more and they, again, they haven't given us answers, but. Right. I agree with what you're saying. I watched the show completely empty headed and it just, I open my head up and I let the show go in and I don't think about it at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which is obviously not going to be great for a podcast, but I don't know if it's just been such a long time since I've tried to watch anything like that or if nothing just stood out to me, mm. but like I, I get what you're saying. I guess I never got 
any sort of impression to push me beyond like this is just some sort of shadowy corporation in the current world we live in. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Well, uh, did you pick up on the food? The fact that they no. weren't eating? No. I mean, again, and you put this in the notes, I see <laughs> not Empty caring place. about food at all as such like a normal day-to-day fact of my life that it did not strike me in any they're talking about how much they don't care about food and i was just like yeah me too exactly you know what i mean that to me is not weird (laughs) yeah that see for me that definitely stood out because i was like where's the food right i love food and yeah for you um i i could definitely see because you've you've had a long-standing disinterest in um in food yeah so yeah well then i guess i'll just say kind of Things that stood out to me in terms of the world building in the first episode. I don't think that's going to pick up. No, I know. I just love that that's the noise. <laughs> you know what I mean? That made. I just wasn't expecting uh-huh. like a cartoonish. If you hear a squeaking in the background, it's my it's dog's broccoli honk. toy. <laughs> yeah, it is broccoli. That's what got me. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the no food um, and how life is more than food. Um, then you have the the rewards, right? You you clear enough of your caseload and you get a finger trap, or you get a uh-huh. what else did he have? Pencils, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, like pencils, finger mm-hmm. traps, and then you get a waffle party if right. you get five closed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did you have any feeling on why finger traps and waffle parties and why childish rewards are being given to these grown adults and why the grown adults are accepting it? No. See, my feeling was that they they made a point in the show that I didn't think about, which was by severing your memories, you're creating a new person. And there's that scene where um, the new hire, she is trying to adjust to this new work life. And she's like, you know, what if I quit? And Mark is like, well, you know, you're kind of then killing yourself because mm-hmm. then you won't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And until you said that, I never, I was not thinking about it on that level. But as soon as I started thinking about it in terms of like they are creating a new person by doing the severing, that in some ways you are creating an infantilized version of yourself. What do they know outside of that building? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. They wouldn't know anything that they were not then exposed to in the building, Mm -hmm. which also makes it interesting in terms of what connections they have. I think one of the other workers, when he's talking about the outsiders or outies, Mm -hmm. he's like, I imagine myself on like, I think he's at a houseboat. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And I remember thinking like, how would he know what a houseboat is? Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe they, in that game that they play where they get to like tell one thing about themselves where Mm -hmm. they roll the ball back and forth. They introduce new ideas and concepts to them that way. But yeah, it made me think in terms of 
their dialogue in the workplace that it's that you know it made me think it's, it made me think of Portal Two, uh-huh. where um the robot who's helping you is like, can you tell me your name or whatever, and you jump. He's like, can you speak? And then you go push like the speak button, you jump. He's like, okay, that's jumping. Okay, you you have brain damage. All right. That's okay. I was like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of brain damage. So you're dealing with people who might have minor brain damage, like Portal 2, yeah. or just don't have a reference for the world outside of their office. Uh, yeah, I guess I just took it as like, when I worked for the city, the most I ever got from them in terms of like, a bonus or whatever was movie tickets, right? Like mm. I did something really good. I performed really well. Here's two free movie tickets, right? That's what I equated it to. Like, like these, like that's what you they get for working a, a hard. Paper finger trap, though. I, I mean, they might as well have. They gave me two free movie tickets. They gave you me saw, twenty bucks. You saw the lighthouse <laughs> with one of them. But I mean, like, well, I, well not only that, like. <clears throat> there was this was like right before I left the city. There was a, a report that came out of like because it's the city, right? So like all the pay is public and everything, and it's like here's a report of all the bonuses city workers are getting, and it's like just a list of all of the top or near top How many employees they got, right? <laughs> getting like five thousand dollar bonus, ten thousand ten thousand dollar bonus. And it's like, here's me with my two free movie tickets. You know? <laughs> Did you um, make the report? <laughs> Justin <laughs> no, Blizzard, right. AMC. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know what the one thing that did catch me about that, about the whole because the idea is that you're separating your memory your work memory from your outside of work memory, yes. right? But there was a point in the first episode where he's, I guess maybe this was before the dinner party and he's talking to his sister and she's like, what happened to your head? Because he got hit in the head mm -hmm. with the thing. And he goes, oh, it was a work thing. But it's like, Shouldn't he not know that? They gave him a card with a gift card. They're like, you fell and slipped. Here's oh, a gift card. Go okay. to Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Your gotcha. Outsmarted. Gotcha back in Outsmarted your face. again. <laughs> you don't think Ben Stiller thought about Justin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I do feel like. It's an interesting idea if they are just infantilized. But sure. I mean, but at the same time, like, wouldn't the logical conclusion of that be like they're just like rolling around in diapers or whatever? <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. You, right. And you can, you you have to make some uh, whatever compromises or whatever. But Yeah, like, I, I don't think that you wouldn't remember how to speak. And, mm -hmm. and again, it makes sense that you could like access outside memories of items and things like that, that it's literally just yourself, right, mm. outside of this. But concepts and ideas, the United States or whatever else, you, mm -hmm. you you might have an idea of, although it's funny that their work is literally just numbers and that they're dealing with data that's not numbers because they're being scared by something. Yeah. And well, 
they're doing something heinous, right? The numbers are going to be some sort of facade for something else that they're doing. Yeah, I have a theory about it. Okay. I will say the last thing that I have to say about that infantilized treatment and idea of office of the office workers mm -hmm. to me goes back to that is the exact way to describe how you've been a part of it. I've been a part of it. How any kind of corporate meeting team building thing is, is meant to feel you're meant yeah. to be like infantilized as like, we're a family. Mm -hmm get up and like <laughs> show your joy mm. for being here or whatever, you know, and you're like, this is insane. Yeah. This is at no human person acts this way. <laughs> and yet we are being asked to do it as like a group. Because again, mm. I think that's like, that's how you get to give up part of your personality, right? Is by sure. being forced to engage in group activity. And then you just slowly give up more and more until you're like, yeah, maybe we are a family. It's like, no, you, you've never, ever, I don't care what job you've been in, you've never been a part of a family mm -hmm. at work. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. is the wrong way to think about it. Mm -hmm. They might care about you. They might be friends to you. But family, like, it shouldn't, something is twisted. Then either your idea of family or idea of work yeah. is, is twisted, you mm -hmm. know? Um. So yeah, that's the one thing that made me think of like a, a go to the edge of the analogy. And that's that's really how I felt any time I was involved in a corporate activity. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, yeah, th there's also like, there was that at the dinner party too where Mark's sister makes that reference to like, oh, my dad used in. Mark had a mug that said, well, don't talk to me until I have my whiskey or something like that. And everybody laughs. It's like a mug joke. <laughs> and everybody laughs. At, and you're like, yeah, what, what's humor in this, yeah. in this environment, in this world? Yeah. Like it, it obviously is not, that's not normal. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. I mean, I guess I can see it both ways because the, the, the dinner party didn't, necessarily strike me as anything other than kind of a critique of like how hollow those kinds of dinner parties can be right with like acquaintances or whatever but I could also very much see five or six more episodes into the season what you're saying to be true you know what I mean um the other thing is, yeah, I guess I'll jump to like the, the ideas that I have or guesses. Okay. So what are they doing there? Mm -hmm. So I took a look and the files are largely like last names. Okay. I did see a moonbeam in there. One file like that the word moonbeam, moonbeam, which uh -huh. definitely doesn't sound like a person's last name, right? But my initial thought was, and one of the one of his coworkers makes the point to say that like the files will go away, mm -hmm. that you can't complete a full set because there's only a, a small window, and that they don't always mm -hmm. complete it, right? Um, and so it made me think like. 
and they they're also the department like i think it was on a wall it said like macro data Mm -hmm. and i was like macro are they dealing with like large like what if eternal sunshine is happening on a larger scale and they are monitoring ace is so what (laughs) what have you done to this dog (laughs) he just is so desperate (laughs) i also ate chicken (laughs) i get this feeling from ace but there's a there's a truth in in any animal where like I had chicken tonight, uh-huh. and I know that he's smelling it on my breath. But maybe that's it. And you know, if you die, <laughs> your dog is he's, eating. He's your going mouth. inside your mouth, <laughs> and he's eating it. Yeah, because it smells like chicken. Uh-huh. And any animal that you love and cherish, if you die in your home and no one finds you, <laughs> they will eat you. Yeah. Um. Severance. Yeah, sounds like a severance plot point yeah so i it made me think of like one of the protesters in the second episode mm-hmm. i think it was it was protesting they're like the company lumon mm-hmm. is pushing for forced severance in the state mm-hmm. and they were against that which yeah makes you think like what are they trying to bifurcate in people's minds outside of their company mm-hmm. what needs that separation what if this is like they're fighting aliens <laughs> there's there's a starship troopers movie happening on the other side of the mountains <laughs> and this is all just it. well i mean that's kind of part of my question of like how radical of a message can it be if it's being put out by apple you know what i mean yeah i mean do you think they signed off on the I, I think companies welcome that because they know it's 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 like all the the gross kind of corporate you know takeovers of social movements mm-hmm. right even as stupid as like Coca-Cola putting you know names on their cans as mm-hmm. if I'm going to feel like me and Steven are really sharing a coke right now okay what are you talking <laughs> You know, just put your liquid in a can. Right. I don't care what the can looks like or what name you put on it. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as, like, I feel like that is a marketing strategy, right? Yeah. You know, think about all the car commercials that you're like, well, is this, is this an advertisement for protesting? And then at the end, it's just like the protesters jump into a Lexus with their, you know, social change uh, placards. That fit in the spacious trunk. Yeah. It's like uh, Obama having card counter on his movie list. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like if we welcome this in, then then it can't hurt us. Yeah. You know? So, like, Apple, yeah. We are we are an aware company. We are forward-thinking. We care about blah, or blah, blah, Or Parasite blah. winning any Oscar, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if somebody would give me a, an award. But I'm saying in terms of, like, the level of self-awareness for the Oscars to give Parasite, like, movie of the... Like, they are missing kind of the point that Parasite, you are, you are being critiqued by Parasite. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's also interesting to be like Ben Stiller. Yeah. What is your idea of a nine to five? Right. Tell me what that looks like to you. Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say too is I guess because it's written by somebody else, this doesn't apply. But the Ben Stiller thing for sure kind of makes me feel like Obviously, we don't know. There's only been two episodes, but I just feel like it can't. I feel like by the end of the series, it's going to be more of a look at this weird mystery story than it is like an allegory for working for, you know what I mean? Working a working life in America. Yeah, well, I guess we can. This is where we could throw a dumb wager that we never follow through on because I think <laughs> the exact opposite. Really? Oh, I think this is going to be heavy about, you know, it's a parable. Uh-huh. Like, I think at the end you're going to not be able to understand the story without a direct tie to, you know, work-life mm-hmm. balance and, you know, how how just the system is meant to destroy us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and how I do think companies would do this. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't think that there's a doubt in my mind that if you pitched it to Apple mm-hmm. or whoever, that those companies wouldn't be like, yeah, because we're, we're giving them a benefit of mm-hmm. not having to bring work home with them. Mm-hmm. So, Well, not only that, it, the, it goes to the, the deeper point of like, all of these major corporations feel like they are providing uh, a greater a, service, a greater to service to the employees than the employees are to the company. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, when did that shift happen? I wonder if if it's always been that way. But to me, it does feel like definitely the idea is isn't it great to work for us? Mm-hmm. It's like no. It's not great to work for anybody. Right. That that should be, which also is so funny because something else that happened while we were gone is that that guy, remember, went on Fox News from like the, the anti-work oh, yeah, the Reddit Danish or guy. whatever. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the anti-work mod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And guy like savaged because yeah. he like just, yeah. Anyway, I I just felt like it was interesting because you didn't even have to in, interpret any deeper what the what the host of the TV show was saying to the to the guy. Yeah. Which is basically like, uh, it's a gift to work, to be challenged, mm-hmm. to be given responsibilities and to rise to those responsibilities, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Like, what an insane mindset to have. Mm-hmm. Like, the base set mindset should be all work is insane. Mm-hmm. It's all crazy. Unless I'm working to feed my family, like that work makes sense because if I don't harvest this, I don't feed my family. Right. Got it. But as soon as you abstract it to I'm working for somebody else. Right. And therefore my value is not based on what am I bringing home to my family, but the fact that I have a job, thank God. Right. Work in and of itself is is, a virtue. Is a virtue. Yeah. That, That is so insane Mm -hmm. on its face you know what i mean yeah and so i'm i i'm all for 
uh, a show that is going to hopefully dig into that to be like, as soon as you give up your personal autonomy to work for another company, institution, or person, Mm -hmm. that you've entered into a weirdo fund zone of that own person's devising. Mm -hmm. You know, like any, and how many of us have had horrible boss stories? You know what I mean? And, And like, I've had horrible bosses mm-hmm. like literally my whole quality of life was affected even though i was a person who was like brought up to think like i'm gonna be a good employee and i'm not gonna <laughs> rock the boat you know mm-hmm. i just brushed these people the wrong way they hated me and mm-hmm. they made my life a living hell yeah and my response was well i gotta work harder yeah yeah i gotta be better mm-hmm. it's like no i'm working for someone else my the rationality is now based on their rationality right if they're irrational then i'm working in an irrational position mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's absolutely cr- cuckoo mm-hmm. and then i get to go to a larger meeting and told like we're a family <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then at the same time you know all the hr reports are coming at me too is happening you realize like hr across the nation or like just bearing, you know, I don't feel like I could go to my, I don't know my HR department, which again, you're told like you have HR to your back. It's like, no, I only have the people in that department. Like you can't, why do you accept this corporatized language of like all corporations are monolithic or represent like a, a worldview? Yeah. You know, they well, don't. HR's entire purpose is to protect the company, right? No matter what anybody tells you, it's not to protect you. It's not to help the employees. It's to cover the company's ass. And like that's kind of the whole family. What everything is designed to do is sort of take the attention off the fact that everything revolves around the company and is aimed to support and build up and profit for the company, a.k.a. you know that handful of people who sit on the board or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. Or again, like, and that's where you get the same old story. Like we have profits over people, mm-hmm. you know, and again, the faceless board or whatever, <laughs> interchangeable yeah. and all they want is the same thing, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's my, that's my hope. I, was there something else you wanted to talk about severance? No, well, yeah, I just wanted to kind of wrap up the the show. What has happened so far? So the first episode, we sort of run through the introduction that the PD, his friend. Yeah, we didn't talk about PD. He kind of seems to be the catalyst of the story, right? So PD leaves or gets fired. It sounds like he tried to. He probably tried to do a normal exit strategy and mm. was soon to be revealed like, oh, you're going to get thrown into a snow piercer type, <laughs> like <laughs> churning uh, gear, you know? Yeah. You're going to get turned into a uh, paste meat paste for the people, the poor people in the a alleys or whatever. The waffle party. <laughs> yeah. You're going to turn into a waffle. Um, which I guess is kind of mirrored by the um, new lady. Mm-hmm. Because she's trying to leave, but she can't leave. So, anyways, Petey gets out, and then it gets revealed that he had his 
severance implant or whatever removed. Um, but I don't really remember. Some people helped him, he said. Yeah. I don't really remember where. Um, that thing is deep, too. Yeah. It kept going in her brain. Right. When they started pushing in there. Uh, I don't really remember how the. Oh, so the second episode ended with the reveal that his neighbor is his boss. I mean, it was revealed before that. Well, you, right. But the, you get the actual like, here's her face, right? No, I mean, she because she brought over um, cookies to him. Did, and, but you saw who she was? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's just more ominous. Like, they keep focusing in on her. She seems to be, there's a name drop, Jennifer Egan, and one of the questions you're supposed to ask somebody who had the procedure is like, what is Mr. Egan's um, favorite food or something like mm-hmm. that? So, clearly, they don't want people to know Egan. Mm-hmm. The Egan's, or that's that's a primary thing. They don't want people thinking, which my guess right now is that she is Jennifer Egan. Mm. She's the daughter of that head guy who started the whole company, whose favorite food was two raw eggs and a glass of milk or something. Yes, I do remember that. So I guess that's what I was going to say. Do you think, so So then obviously you think that she is not severed. That was my question to you. Is everybody on that floor severed? Yeah, I don't know because I don't think she is right. That's the impression I got too. Is that she is aware, right? Like she's very purposefully living, and I'm assuming because there's maybe one or two shots of, or there's a couple shots of where he lives. Yeah, I'm assuming that is like, uh, or maybe they cover this. Is that like a campus where all of the employees live? That's kind he, of the impression. He covers I got. it that it's subsidized by the okay, right? Um, so I'm imagining that she is, you know, also living there as a way to sort of keep tabs on everybody. Yeah, but again, I, I don't know if she's the head. Yeah, I also had. I don't think this is true, but the thing that made me think. When um, Mark gets called in to get promoted to doing the interview or mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the intake, initiation. yeah, mm-hmm. the intake. She's like, the board is gonna join us. Is like the motherboard. Mm. Like, this is all a simulation. This is you know Matrix esque. Mm-hmm. The board because the board doesn't say anything. It's just kind of weird, almost like clicking. Like I, I was waiting for breathing, but it, it just sounded like you could tell someone was there, but mm-hmm. not didn't necessarily sound human and they just never said anything mm. so maybe when she kept saying the board the board i was like motherboard <laughs> huh? maybe maybe who knows it is yeah. apple right yeah yeah exactly uh it, it, it would be funny if like what if a show accurately predicts like a future disaster like corporate takeover and like that company in their history produced a show. It's just like a hundred years from now, Apple is the one that like destroys right. the earth accidentally and they blast off out of the earth. And yeah. it's like, they made severance. Right. <laughs> they clearly got this idea, got this idea from that severance. show they made. <laughs> All the wrong lessons. I mean, that's the thing though, right? Like, man, it's just so, uh, it's just so funny to watch. You know, whether it's a show or you see people play out, you have like one piece of information that then 
Did you listen to the last Hollywood Handbook? I've stopped listening to Hollywood Handbook. Well, never mind then. Sorry. Flagrant runs as I only. <laughs> as I get up and leave. So, anyway, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I don't know if she's the head, but my feeling is like she's the head or she's high up. I just don't know why she's so interested in Mark specifically. Yeah. She definitely seems fixated on him for some reason. Well, it probably has to do with the whole Petey thing. Right? Yeah, like for this moment, maybe she's hyper aware, but why is she living? Why would she live next to him? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. If you're high up, I wouldn't necessarily be like, I have to live next to them. Mm-hmm. Unless he's the first kind of 2.0. I mean, John Totoro seems like he's on his way out. Yes. He's hallucinating. <laughs> uh, he just doesn't seem uh-huh. all that. Together. Yeah. The um, show is funny, right? Yeah. had funny moments. Absolutely. Um, so that surprised me. Yeah. John Totoro is hilarious. He has like dirt or ink under his fingernails, but then he hallucinates that black goo. Yeah. Is that the goo under his hand? Like, is that him hallucinating his nails are dirty like that? Hmm. Or do you I think? Guess. I guess. I thought it was ink. I just assumed it was ink for whatever reason. Yeah, I assume losing too, but I'm I'm thinking a little more about it. Any, any references that he was brought in, like he's older, obviously, mm-hmm. and he's already been like written up a few times. Mm-hmm. So I think Totoro is our next d- mystery disappearance. Mm-hmm. Do we know who Chris? Oh yeah, Christopher Walken's the doctor. Oh yeah, he is he even he's in it. Briefly, or am I thinking of like a briefly. trailer I watched? No, no, he's in it briefly. Okay. Um, yeah, in the break room, which just ends in his neighbor being, she opens the door, seems like it leads into her office or whatever. Mm. And she kind of ominously looks at him. So, do you? Why do you think Adam Scott looks so bad? <laughs> that might be mean, but like. I, he just looks so strange, right? Do you think that's on purpose, or do you think he's just as like... I think he's always been a strange-looking person. Maybe, the, but... The way that I think about it is I'm like, there's a there's an attractiveness that is good on camera. Uh-huh. Then real life just looks completely cuckoo. It like, almost looks like he has, like, prosthetics on his face, though. Yeah, like, like he... I'm watching Parks and Rec with my son. Mm-hmm. Big fan of The Office. So we started Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Adam Scott's in Parks and Rec. Didn't yeah. know. And that's when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And I started looking closely because he's like, he has a tremor in mm-hmm. this that I noticed. You noticed it too, mm-hmm. right? Like when he's holding the picture, like you can just see this. Well, I thought I noticed it in the car, right? Like at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, well, I think he, I think it's just a tremor. Uh-huh. I th- I think I noticed him Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. um, and in Parks and Rec, like he he also, you know, his eyes are kind of like one is a little drifty. Mm-hmm. So I I just I took it as like you're just getting older, and again, if you're like that interesting, attractive that cameras and Hollywood kind of like again, like Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. like those people that are just like an odd looking person but like i can watch them on they're captivating for some reason Mm -hmm. 
that, you know, his face is just, he's just getting older and just kind of looks a little, hmm. a little off. But it, it was enough for me to look into, there's nothing definitive, but, you know, he lost a lot of weight at one point. They did like a Parks and Rec reunion or something. And mm-hmm. all I saw were a bunch of like poster people around that were like, why do you lose so much weight? He looks so weird, you know? And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't know. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's ill or anything, but yeah. it just, like like you said, the lighting is harsh. The yeah, story, that's I true. think, is just kind of harsh. I think he's just kind of leaning into, like, yeah, don't make me look. Yeah, and I mean, he's good. great in the show. Exactly. I uh, think everybody's Everyone was, was really good. Like I said, outside of that one guy at the party, but I think that was probably on purpose. But And maybe that's a good thing because I just don't like that when people talk like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that that was on purpose. But I thought everybody was phenomenal. Yeah. I, think, I think everyone's great. And I think the world is very interesting. The mm-hmm. technology has a has a definite, like, it made me think of It Follows, mm-hmm. um, where It Follows has, like, standard technology, but in yeah. a different way, like you've never seen. Well, it, it's, it mixes, like, really old technology with, like, they have in It Follows, I think she has, like, a clam it's like almost exactly. like a, a, clam clam, a clam shell. <laughs> yeah, it's like like the makeup things, yes. but it's actually like an e-reader, e-reader. or whatever. Yeah. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I love this. Um, definitely looks like Loki, a Marvel show with um, Wait a Owen minute. Wilson. This does? Yeah. Uh-huh. It had a definite like retro, like it's, it's a little more stylized than this, a little warmer. Mm-hmm. This is definitely like industrial and mm-hmm. you know a little harsh whereas loki's cult you know corporate culture is you know warmer mm-hmm. but but retro in the same way um yeah i actually of all things i i liked loki a lot i watched those shows with my son mm-hmm. um but yeah loki has the same feel it just made me think of that randomly okay, okay. whatever um when do the shows come out? Every Friday. Friday. Yeah, the one thing that I wanted to say, too, is it made me think, like, uh, Don't Look Up, you know, mm-hmm. came out a while ago. I watched it. You watched it, too, right? Mm-mm. No? Nope. I watched uh, an analysis of it, and the analysis uh, on YouTube, the guy was basically, like, why it's not good climate change satire. Mm-hmm. And in it, he proposes this alternative idea where, like, a comet is coming, but it's not going to hit Earth. It's going to pass by Earth. Mm-hmm. But then they find, you know, uh, materials on it that a company wants. So the company gets it into our uh, mm-hmm. orbit, and then as they're mining it in our orbit, it then fractures and plummets to Earth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like, again, you know you have a problem when I usually don't look out. I don't look for videos like that, like, here's here's why how this story could be told better. And mm-hmm. he, he wasn't making his video. That wasn't the point of the video. That was just, like, at the end. He's like, here's here's an idea. Um, and I was like, man, yeah, that's you have a problem when a YouTube guy can just present something that <laughs> right. so wholly does work better. Like yeah. you can't you can't question it. It right. it absolutely hits the themes so much cleaner, yeah, clearer. Um and it made me think like 
severance, you know, um, to me, on the trajectory that I see it going, I think severance has a much deeper understanding of its satire mm-hmm. and what it's saying. And that's something else that gets me excited because, you know, I'm, I'm all for a good satire, but like Don't Look Up was not it for me. Mm-hmm. Totally did, you know, miss the mark. Well, and the core issue too with Don't Look Up is that, the, well, the reason why the, a comet doesn't work as an allegory for uh, climate change is that a comet is like heading towards Earth is an act of God, right? Climate change is not an act of God. It's completely man-made. It is 100% our fault, right? Like, (laughs) it wasn't something that we just woke up to one day. I was like, where did this come from, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a bad movie. Hmm. I hated it. Okay. Okay, so um, Severance. Severance. All right. We'll be back. We'll be following that. Yeah. Um, and we can always fall back on uh, how my right eye almost exploded out of my head. <laughs> sure. Yeah, maybe that'll happen. In, uh maybe that'll happen to Adam Scott. Maybe he's at the beginning stages of that. Maybe right? it is. <laughs> I've lived your future, Adam. <laughs> I need to tell you a few things. All right. All right. I'm trying to think if there. I feel like there's one other thing I want to say, but whatever. We also watched Licorice Pizza. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give a, se- a sentence about it? I'm just interested in your sentence review. Um, my, I, I don't have a sentence review for okay. it. I well, thought it was, a- I thought it had really funny moments to it. I have no idea why Paul Thomas Anderson would make this movie or want to make it. Okay. And I think the age gap is problematic. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's out. my sentence. No more. No more. <laughs> <laughs>